0: Mark A. Altman, Darren Doctorman, Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you
1: find podcasts or go to trexpertsplus.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, one of the co-hosts of Trek experts And if you're a Trek fan, you owe it to yourself to pick up the 50-year mission, the complete uncensored oral history of Star Trek. It's available wherever you buy books, digital, or audio. And speaking of books, check out my new book about the making of John Wick, They Shouldn't Have Killed His Dog. Also available wherever you buy your books. You see a pattern happening here? Well... What are you waiting for? Get on it. Hey, this is Mark Altman of Trex Trexperts and the 430 movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78. Available now by subscribing at com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. Here's a sneak peek.
2: Um, Shatner is a guest star in one of the episodes. Yeah, he's one of the
1: villains, right?
2: Uh, yes, Roy freaked out because he didn't want to the association between Sequest and Star Trek. Oh but, man! man. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, look for me. Shatner's one of the great ham actors of all time. Of course, you know he's just spectacular to watch, and you should be pleased he's here. He's not playing Captain Kirk, you know. But uh, it was, you know, you had to placate that, and then the earthquake, uh, that big uh, Northridge earthquake. Yeah. You know, it shut us down for a couple of days. We came back, and we're shooting. Uh, we're setting up to
3: shoot on, on stage, and somebody hits the lights for the production,
2: and there's stuff floating in the air. You know, the big particles of whatever. I don't know what it is. And then the, the door stage door opens, and guys in hazmat suits come in.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Uh, and
2: I, and I, they won't tell me what they're looking for. Oh, everything's fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why are you win that suit. Everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I call Tom Thayer and they won't put me through to him. So I shut down the show for the day. I said, we're done. We're going to stop for the day because I'm not going to be a part of poisoning everybody here. Mm-hmm. And I got called on the carpet for that.
3: Said,
2: you guys should be giving me an award for this. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> nobody's going to get cancer. I cleared the place. But it uh, it was an interesting experience. It's,
1: I remember it, being on the junket for it and uh, they made a big deal out of this isn't science fiction. This is science fact. And you know, <laughs> basically, and and, uh, and uh, Roy is um is like Jack Cousteau.
2: <laughs> it's like what well, <laughs> Roy wanted to be. And we you know, I we try to you know sort of feather that at the end of the show with uh Bob Ballard saying you know, yeah. 30 seconds on something that's actually mean something <laughs> right 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 and, you know uh, there were p- people on the show couldn't stand having
3: him there we're not we're not doing public television this is an educational uh, it's it,
2: it, you know the battles yeah. go
0: it, it's a, it's a sad thing that uh that Scheider was uh was uh Leery of uh, being on t v because that now that stigma doesn't exist anymore yeah. but oh, you no, know it was it huge was back
2: then.
0: oh I know yeah. I know it was. But, uh, you know, huge actors are doing TV now. Yeah, De Niro uh, just announced thing,
1: yeah. as, uh, was announced as a lead in a Netflix series. Yeah. Did, but that's, did, did that's new
2: shows debuting yeah. Did,
1: did you oh deal goodness. with um, Spielberg at all? Did he know he had this TV show on the air? Like, was he <laughs> uh, ever involved? Yeah,
2: I, I, I didn't deal with him much. He was in Poland. He came back. He was... Uh... He devoted some time to us, a little bit, but not yeah. to the degree you you, you would like. Um, right. I remember the first time he came into the writer's room and we're talking, and he's staring at Bob Ingalls. <laughs> he said, you were in the show last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> good job. So
1: mean, know, he was he, watching it. That's good. So uh, it wasn't commensurate <laughs> with what he was getting paid.
2: No, but you know what? <laughs> he did, He's a guy who, It's it's hard to argue with him because he, know, he literally knows everything about the yeah. Yeah. He just does. I mean, it's a compendium of, of knowledge that maybe Scorsese knows more. I don't know, but... Were it, there
0: were there ever any edicts to shoot on location in the Dive restaurant in Century City? Ah,
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Spielberg> and <laughs> that restaurant. Happen. That didn't happen. The, uh, <laughs> That's really funny. It, I it,
1: could fries. Um... Did we? And then, and then Roy had had enough, and and Michael Ironside comes in for the last season. Were you? Had you had there.
2: enough? You I, were gone I, by I, then. I was just there for the first. I I was there for the first season. I moved it to Florida. Ended the second and I, season, and then I I went off to do other things. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. It. I felt like the people that uh, I'm. I'm guessing Amblin, uh, the executives, insisted on doing the show. So they could walk to the set from uh, the ambulance offices. Sure. It should, they had a great facility in Florida that wasn't being used. It had all the things you want in a show about being underwater that you could access within 10 minutes of where you are, right. certainly within the zone and shoot underwater. There's a place called Weeki Wachee. I don't know if you guys know that, but Mm-mm. there's a mermaid show there. It's crystal clear spring waters, and they have a theater underwater with, you know,
3: glass that must span 30, 40 feet and wow. twelve and high looking out onto
2: the water. You, it, you could have done so much there, but they didn't want to do that. You know, it was uh, it's a lot of hubris on the part of a lot of people who wear suits and ties.
1: Yeah, that happened. That's for sure. So subscribe today at treksfirstplus.com and don't miss a single episode of Deck 78. Fire the Rockets. This is Mark A. Altman, and welcome to the 430 Movie and Movies of the Week Week. (laughs) Movies of the Week Week? I have to work on that. I don't know about that. TV Week. It's the 430 Movie, Movie of the Week Week. (laughs) Whatever week it is, I'm here with all the days of the week that make it something special. Of course, I'm talking about Mr. Monday, Stephen Melching.
4: I got my snacks, and I'm parked in front of the TV at 7.59, waiting for that
1: sweet M.O.W. to start. On Tuesday, Darren R. Doctorman. Tonight on the ABC Movie of the Week, it's something really good that you'll like that was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and on Wednesday, Ashley Edward Miller. Prove it. <laughs> and of course, on Thursday, it's me, Mark A. Altman, and together we program Friday to make it a complete week of the 4.30 movie. This week, we're curating a fantasy theme week of great, or hopefully great, maybe not on Wednesday, TV movies. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, guys, I got to ask you, the TV movie has really evolved, hasn't it? Back in the day, these were kind of sort of cheap, and they often featured familiar TV faces. But now a TV movie, it can cost more than a big feature and it has huge movie stars. And yet the same tried and true boring plots.
0: TV ain't <laughs> cheap
1: anymore, that's for sure. It's, uh, it's uh, you
0: know, because of the way that uh, these shows are produced and these they don't even have movies of the week anymore. Um, but, well, uh, what? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they kind of do, I mean, it's so weird because I was thinking about this whole
5: problem of how we pick this stuff and kind of what are the limits? Because you think about Netflix, right? That's I not. mean, by almost by definition, all they do are TV movies. I mean, there's a few that kind of get released theatrically, but all they do are TV movies.
1: Ashley, I think we're like the uh, the Russian Sino alliance. There's no limits. <laughs> we're it's a <laughs> uh, no we, limits partnership. We, 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 we do
5: all the things. <laughs> well we the, can the, do
1: anything
4: the, the made for television movie went through an evolution uh they started in the early 60s uh as a as an effort on the part of the three tv networks the big three nbc abc cbs to keep people at home in front of their tvs instead of going out to the movie theater to see a movie so they they initially started uh, in 1961 doing television premieres of theatrical movies. So first time on television, this movie that's been in the theaters, you can stay home and watch it on TV. Uh, and then in 1960- with
1: commercials and all the profanity it, it, and
4: nudity cut exactly, uh, and and edited down to a two-hour time slot. Uh, and then in 1964, uh, NBC uh, produced the first made-for-television movie uh, that was. Intended to compete directly with um, theatrical motion pictures, and and what uh, was
1: that, Steve? Uh,
4: it was called uh, "See How They Run." It aired on October seventh, nineteen sixty-four, on NBC. Uh, the other networks copied the format uh, both uh, for the uh, television premiere of theatrical movies, and then when they literally kind of started running out of theatrical movies they could program, they NBC started producing original movies and the other studios followed suit. And that continued through the 80s, uh, to the point that some of these TV movies, especially in the late 70s and early 80s, were getting humongous television audiences, which I'm sure we'll will touch on more. Uh then uh, you know, there was a proliferation of broadcast networks and cable channels in the 80s and 90s. And uh, soon a lot of the cable channels started producing uh, movies. HBO started doing their their great original movies uh, in the 90s. And Let's as not Ashley- forget
1: what that's an acronym for. Home box office. Right?
4: <laughs> that's right. And then as Ashley said, we get into the streaming era and you got these streamers doing the same thing. They're producing original, you know, movie style movies uh, to debut on streaming it's
1: movie style movie we. <laughs> well I, I got a question because you know we talk about you talked to that's very interesting steve the uh, the the birth of the genesis of the tv movie genesis? but in a way <laughs> television was doing tv movies long before that because they were doing these anthology shows like for instance uh, casino royale was like an episode of right a climax theater and there was sci-fi theater and thriller and no, uh, but th- studio 1 and there was Playhouse 90 and there
0: was mm-hmm. uh, you know all these uh, there a lot of live shows that basically gave movie length shows
4: so yeah, they were an anthology uh, series ad- adaptations of stage plays or yeah. or original uh, material written for these these types of shows but they they weren't marketed or considered movies of the week. In you know how we knew they were movies of the week because they
1: had cool animations at the beginning. So my <laughs> right, question right. for you, Darren, what's the best opening animation for a TV movie? You know, that's hard to say because they, uh, you know, the the networks
0: uh, went all in in their uh, motion graphics Uh, for the time. And they had, uh, you know, people like uh, Robert Abel and, uh, and uh, Doug Trumbull doing these openings. And uh, I, my favorite though, is, uh, you know, the uh, ABC Sunday night movie. The Star uh, Tunnel. The Star Tunnel. Um, (laughs) Because it was, and the music that came along with it, it was so uh, well done and uh, and quote modern for the time and uh, extremely complex animations and uh, and logo design and, and and it was all it sort of all sprung from uh, the type of stuff that the 4:30 movie did the 4:30 movie's yep. opening was uh, was great as well and uh, you know some very dynamic uh, graphic design and uh, and motion graphics uh, were used all the time to get people's attention for sometimes crappy movies yeah. <laughs> Steve did. Have, Knew how to
4: pump. They knew how to pump you up with those graphics and that music. Da-da-dum, da-da-dum,
1: but Steve da-da-dum. did. Didn't ABC have a much better opener than CBS or NBC? They were much blander.
4: <laughs> I'm trying to remember. They're all kind of merging together in my head. I don't. Uh,
0: I don't actually remember NBC's. Yeah, they all. had.
4: They
1: had. They had one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very good. They were always <laughs> well, proud of the peacock, though. Um, <laughs> so. You know what? You know what? I think may even be better than uh, the ABC opener. As much as I love the Star tunnel, it brings back great memories. Ashley, HBO. Remember the old eighties yep.
5: opening? And, and like, and the uh, the that doesn't count as TV though. And like, it's not TV. It's HBO. <laughs> yeah, true. It's true. It's very true. But, and so does just, that I mean we never
1: had we never had HBO eligible? when
0: I was a kid. I didn't get yeah. HBO until I went off to college. I never forgiven me neither death of my boy. That's right
1: don't trust well that that TV. raises a question if it's not tv it's hbo uh it, are hbo tv movies not eligible today that's correct they are not because that's wow. pay tv i i i think um oh, that, your selection is moot
5: Over <laughs> interpreting interpreting <laughs> the, the, what, what hbo calls itself uh, darren
1: not, is a strict constructionalist i am He's conservative i am I, I am,
5: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Unless I am it's a broadcast movie that he constructionist came before that's right. But
4: does a in that case does a mini series count? If was a uh, multi-episode, I think it,
0: it could. It could.
5: Um, if it was ever a cut together as a film.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that because, of course, Steve, you mentioned the history of MOWs. Of course, the history of the mini series is very interesting because, with Rich Man, Poor Man in uh, in the in the early seventies uh, on ABC, that uh, triggered a whole bunch of. Uh, miniseries that really uh, helped ABC move up to the top of the ratings, uh, where a place it was unfamiliar with, with the success of things like Roots and uh, other miniseries like uh, one of my favorites, The Winds of War. But are we going to say that miniseries, which could be multi-part, in some cases, War and Remembrance was, what, like eight episodes? Is that a movie? No. I don't know, Steve. What do you think?
4: I mean, you know, I I don't want to... It, in my mind, it's a it's a it it's not a movie because it is so freaking long. I mean, it tells they tell a complete story and well, you know, ask Andy
1: Warhol how long a movie should be. <laughs> Empire.
5: Empire. No, in the future, every movie will be fifteen minutes long.
1: <laughs> I have one specific. Uh, um, uh, thing in mind, which I'm not going to bring up until Friday because I want clarification on this point of order, yeah. uh, because I'm not sure if it qualifies as a originally,
0: originally I had chosen a, what could be, what is a, a miniseries, but I changed it because I, I, I believe that a mini series is not a TV movie. It's a
5: different art form. It's a different, you know, writing challenge. And frankly, when you start talking about these things or, that are, you know, eight episodes long, these days, it's one <laughs> season of a show on Netflix. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. That's, or, or FX or a lot of, or, not yeah, just exactly. Netflix. Hulu, I mean, it's It's, it's a BBC
5: true. show. It's the longest-running show in the history of the BBC. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah,
4: I, mean, I mean, you've got a yeah, miniseries that's four, six, eight, two-hour episodes that just mm. dominates an entire sweeps period. Um, now, yeah, what I sense era. is a great Deck 78. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on, on, on miniseries on mini, on mini
1: mm. that's right
2: mm.
4: we should do i mean we could definitely do miniseries week there there you know especially in the 80s there
1: were a ton of great miniseries
4: and so
2: totally. yeah
1: i'll tell you what mine is right now <laughs> the winds of war of course robert mentioned robert mitchum, robert mitchum. Yeah.
4: spoiler alert
1: yeah right yep. victoria tennant <laughs> jan michael vincent Based I'll on even World, World the music War Two, I love World the Winds of War. Based on World, World War Two, We even II made it I into I Free Enterprise. <laughs> and Benito Mussolini <laughs> and, 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 and I'm Hideki I'm Tojo, I, and you know who's <laughs> in that? Jeremy Kemp, Picard's brother. So uh, he got yeah, around. My Picard's brother. brother, that would be uh,
5: awesome.
0: My pick was going to be Shogun. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: absolutely. Excellent choice, Richard Chamberlain. Yeah. No, he's no Thornbird. Well, thank goodness. <laughs> that that would have been Naomi's pick. But he if was she Jason Bourne miniseries. What's the the Born
5: Identity miniseries. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh that's my right. goodness. He was.
1: Mm, yeah. yeah, people try and forget the about Born that. Born Identity has changed apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, well, movie we're, movie. Not Remember, we're not today. Doing, we're doing miniseries. We're not doing miniseries. We're doing that TV weird. movies, and uh, based on everything you've already said, I'm I'm really excited about this week. Far more excited than I was about When Animals Attack, because I just have no idea what you guys will be picking. And, you know, this is, uh, I think, you know, we decided to do this because we felt there are many worthy films that were made strictly for TV. And why should they be penalized? Not to mention the original 430 movie did Movies of the Week week. So um, it's only fair. movie,
5: movie, the Week week.
1: They did, they did. I did. I, I I don't know if I saw any of these movies that we're going to mention on the 430 movie, but it was something that they did back in the heyday of the great 430 Although movie.
0: A, so, a good 35% of them starred Brian
1: Keith.
3: Yeah, <laughs> this, this much is certain.
1: Um, okay, so as always, we start with Steve Melching on Monday. What are we going to be watching on Monday, Steve? What movie of the week? Well, when I, when we first
4: came up with this idea, I thought I knew exactly what I was going to pick and I, I, I watched it and it was, it was, I wouldn't say it was great, but it was fun to watch. I, I hadn't seen it since it aired on television, but then there was another one in the back of my mind that I'd been thinking about. So I watched that one too. And it really surprised me how much I liked it. And there were, There are images and things from this particular M.O.W. that always have stuck with me and have been invaded my nightmares (laughs) over the years. And um, it's a movie I only saw once uh, in 1975. Uh, It aired on October 20th, 1975. So I was like seven years old and Ashley is flipping me off because I think (laughs) I just picked his his pick. Oh, yeah. Should I change uh, course and pick that No, one? No, no, I'm, okay. no. I'm happy All to right. talk about it. Ends the rules. So this is a movie uh, called The UFO Incident.
2: Through the windshield of the car where Betty saw a star. Oh, that's funny. But I said, Betty, that is not a star. It's a satellite. Come on, Dulcie, let's get out Hurry up, Betty, so I can see It's not a satellite, it's a plane Buddy, what kind of a plane is that? What kind of plane was it? It is right over my right And it does not go Where I thought it would go Bonnie, I'm asking you a question. What kind of a plane is that? Oh, that's funny. It was... It was funny. They're coming around. Tortoise. They're changing course.
1: Just a Piper Cub. Oh. Oh. See, and we all know what we thought he was going to pick. <laughs> but he didn't go
3: there. He didn't go there.
1: Wow. <laughs> doing that
4: when you thought it was going to zag. No, so I you. remember this one. So let me tell you about the UFO incident. Please do. So uh, it is a movie uh, based on a novel called The Interrupted Journey from 1966 yeah. by John Fuller. And it was uh, adapted book, by H- oh, Hesper Anderson and Jake Justice and directed by Richard Kalla. Who, yeah. oh, really? Who we know directed the Battlestar Galactica pilot and Richard the e. tapes, among other things. Uh, someone who's done a lot of work in television. And it stars, it was a score uh, by Billy Goldenberg, who has done a ton of scores, uh, including Play It Again Sam. Yep. Woo! my re- <laughs> retroactive pick for uh, <laughs> the place the big week and the last of sheila and duel and all kinds of other uh all kinds of other uh television and, work invasion of the body snatchers right the remake uh, maybe not I, n- I don't know about that uh and it stars james earl jones uh as barney hill barney hill and his and wife betty is, as a post who's a postal worker and estelle parson's who won the oscar a few years earlier for bonnie and Clyde, right. uh playing his wife uh, uh, Betty Hill.
3: She still and screams a lot. Wait, Benny Hill? Yes, yes. Benny
1: Hill. Aliens, Barney
0: and <laughs> Benny Hill. Oh my God!
4: <laughs> and then it also stars uh Barnard Hughes, who you may remember from Tron and of the Lost Boys uh, and Fame, uh, the a, TV series, <laughs> as as a uh, as the psychiatrist and the powers of Matthew Starr. No, no. no, no. <laughs>
0: No, it was so, it, it was Mr. Merlin. That's what it was. Mr. Yeah, Merlin.
4: So, so what I remembered this about scared. this movie from watching it as a kid was the UFO abduction. Because so it's, it's about a story of UFO abduction with Betty and Barney. Hill, Scary Arna, as heck. Yeah, are in a drive through the White Mountains in New Hampshire and they experience missing time. And this is like one of the first cases of that. And they ultimately went and saw a psychiatrist who put them in hypnotic regression to help them remember what they, the two hours of, of missing time they had that night. And, and, it's, so that's sort of the selling point of this it's an alien abduction story where they're you know abducted by aliens taken aboard a spaceship and you know examined by aliens and then probes returned. might have been used we don't know and <laughs> <the>, oh this, <laughs> the probe they used know. In this one scared the bejesus out of me because one of the things that betty remembered was them inserting a big long needle into her navel right. and that scared the hell out of me as a kid it's a navel needle <laughs> but the other the other half of this movie or more is about their relationship. And it's an interracial relationship, which right. was, especially on television in 1975, is fairly new. Yeah. And it was such a, a loving, mature relationship. And these are two actors that are at the top of their game. I mean, James Earl Jones is a, you know, at this point in his career, hadn't done a lot of movies, but he was did a ton of stage work.
1: Yeah, but you and, know what sucks when he told her that uh, he was divorced and he had a son before her.
4: Oh my God, the 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 drama. I mean, the, the just the straight oh, the straight drama. He, he he did have a wife uh, prior to her, and the the character or the the person Barney killed. Yeah,
3: <laughs> but uh,
4: you know, so it's this really touching relationship love story between the two of them interspersed with these hypnotic regression uh, sequences where most of the time they they don't go for the the recreations of at least at first of the abduction it's just a single camera close-up on them recounting what happened and watching the emotion and the terror and the wonder like playing over james earl jones's face i mean he is an amazing performance in this and, and Estelle Parsons as well. And then they get into the recreations, which are pretty freaking cheesy, but still, you know, and low budget, you know, for the time, but still scary because this is kind of the first time this was done. And this is, you know, the mid 70s, which was an era of high interest in UFOs and, you know, Chariots of the Gods. And a couple of years later, we had Close Encounters come out. Um, but it's just... Uh, a, a really surprisingly good movie. There's a really great Blu-ray disc uh, that came oh. out a couple of years ago of it. Really? Uh, that I watched, yeah. It's Project it, Blu-ray. Yeah, it, it looks great. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and, and it's great because they, they really leave you, uh, you know, wondering, is this did this really happen or right. not? Um, it's just a, a, a terrific movie that, uh, and, a, and a
0: great drama. I remember seeing that and and being really scared. It was my dad would watch all those things. He was a, a heavy UFO aficionado. Much and like he Jim had, Carter, he had all the books. <laughs> yeah, uh, he had he had James all all the books. And I had I had read I had read this book. You know, by the time I was eight, and uh, knew about it. And uh, yeah, that was a, a famous uh, a famous abduction incident, the Barney and Betty Hill incident, and uh, it was fascinating and scary as hell.
1: Steve, I I had thought twice about this um, movie. Probably since I watched it, right? <laughs> um, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Now that you're bringing it up, and yeah, now that I you've gone re- through regression and can remember, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I remember, I remember really liking it. Had, had I had I remembered it, I probably would have talked to James Earl Jones about it when I worked mm-hmm. with him on H and X. Instead, I'm talking about Paris, which he didn't remember the the TV show Paris he was in. Mm-hmm. But um, but uh, I uh, that was a great little MOW. And of course, as you mentioned, this was the heyday of alien abductions, Bermuda triangle, ancient astronauts, chariots of the gods, it Was so much in the zeitgeist. I didn't believe in any of it, but I found it fascinating. And uh, I thought that was a terrific little TV movie, which wasn't even on my radar for this week. And mm-hmm. it's just such a great pick. Uh, it was a, It was a great movie, little movie, and uh obviously the richard cola connection is terrific and uh what a what a fascinating pick and brings back very fond memories and knowing that's on blu-ray i think i would like to watch it i think it was you know um uh you know certainly you know who's a big ufo uh uh, uh obsessive was um Ter- uh, tracy torme from, uh, mm-hmm. who was uh oh. on star trek the next generation he wrote fire and Fire, in, fire in the sky, fire not in fire in sky. space, fire in the sky, <laughs> and and I remember he, he, you know, he was very, very interested in UFO phenomena. He was a big believer in it, and uh, this was an, something that he talked about a lot. Well,
4: fire in the sky was based on an incident uh, uh, of the fellow who. Came forward with his story like two weeks after this MOW aired on TV. Mm-hmm. It, it, like he credits watching this movie with helping him remember what he may or may, may yeah, not. Yeah, they have talked about it in the movie, right?
1: Okay, that's right. Fascinating. Ashley, have you ever seen
5: this uh, MOW? I, I have not, um, which is strange because I love that crap. Uh, I was all into all the things that you're... I mean, look, I was like the in-search-of kid, right? I could not <laughs> yeah. get enough of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it astonishes me that I've never seen it. But I'm glad that it's, uh was put out by, you know, Project Blu-ray because
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, I can't wait to see it. By the way, you remember... Well, remember you, you remember this is about... Maybe it was a little later, but NBC had Project Blue Book. Yeah. Which yes, was I'm narrated by... Um, uh, from Dragnet. Uh, um, Jack Webb. Webb. Uh, Jack, Jack Webb. Webb yeah. But
0: it was produced by Jack Webb.
1: Yeah yeah. 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 I really loved
5: that show. I don't know if it was any good or not, but and I just found it so endlessly fascinating. No, it was Project
1: UFO, wasn't it? It was called Project, project UFO. Yeah, UFO. Project Blue Book Correct. was about like, like, the Blue Air Force
5: Blue. officers who were yeah. going around investigating these well, things. Well, no, that's oh, project, yeah. project UFO. The, the, yes, the, actual, right.
0: the
1: actual Air Force project was called Project Blue Book. Yeah, but the TV show was Project UFO. Was I'm it for NBC. UFO? Yes. Yeah. yeah it was and on oh, NBC. Yeah. yeah. And I, I the movie was too long.
4: Starring Caskey uh, uh, Swaim. And, and I believe Project UFO came on in the wake of this movie uh, being successful. I, um, I think it might I have been
0: a little later, but yes, yeah, it later certainly, 70s. certainly during yeah. the uh, during the the big flare up of
1: uh, UFO info. And I remember Starlog would cover the special effects in Project UFO. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a great way to start us off. Thanks, Steve. That that's brings us one. to uh, Darren on Tuesday. What movie of the week are we watching on Tuesday? Well, we get the the Swanson's Hungry Man dinner in the Will oven. You two get
0: <laughs> <off>? <laughs> I too am going back all the way to 1975. Do-do-do, wow. do-do-do, do-do. Um to a uh, a TV movie that was directed by Joseph Sargent who oh. uh, directed directed uh, the first regular episode of Star Trek. And one of the writers was Nicholas Meyer. Mm -hmm. Uh, The three writers were Nicholas Meyer, Anthony Wilson, and Howard Koch, because of the inclusion of his script for Orson Welles' The War of the Worlds. And the name of the uh, TV movie is called The Night That Panicked America.
3: Friday. Movie.
2: The world premiere of an exciting new motion picture on the ABC Friday Night Movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Martians have just landed. The radio said it was the end of the world, and the world believed it. This is the most terrifying thing I've ever witnessed on earth, New Jersey's under martial law. Orson Welles conceived it as a radio play. We are ready to attack. <laughs> but it turned Halloween into a nightmare for millions. How could they think this was real? It was the night that panicked America. <laughs> The program you're about to see is a recreation of the War of the Worlds Panic Broadcast of 1938. It is based on fact. All interruptions for news bulletins are simulated, and certain names, characters, and incidents are changed in the
3: interests of dramatization. In the late years of the 1930s, we were witness to our world gripped in the first agonies of invasion and war. No section of the Earth seemed free from these terrors, or from the nightmares of what was to come. Nightmares that for the first time were brought vividly into every home by the force of a new medium, radio. This is Alan Fields, reporting to you by radio remote
2: from Addis Ababa. For the first time, this ancient Ethiopian capital has experienced the modern day horror
3: fire. I can see them
2: now, baby. The tunes of Japanese infantry coming out of the woods. The Chinese around me seem to be going back. This is Ralph Menzies' front
3: network. Deadline Germany. Chancellor Adolf Hitler's troops are at this moment marching into Austria. The access is complete. It has been
2: averted. In this time there is no place. We are not going to destroy this nation.
0: It is sort of a uh, a uh, dramatization of what happened on that 1938 uh, uh, Halloween Eve uh, uh, broadcast of Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air that uh, uh, that we talked about on uh, Deck 78 uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and of course, I was fascinated with it because I had uh, memorized the uh, the radio broadcast. And, uh, and was completely into the whole Orson Welles thing. Not like I, I'm not anymore. Um, but the, uh, it, it fascinated me because, um, about 20 years before that, a TV show called Studio One, uh, broadcast a, a, uh, basically a play called, uh, The Night America Trembled. And it's almost exactly the same thing. Um, but that was done live, uh, so this was this was basically an updating of that uh, made into uh, into film form, and uh, but the, the reason I, I knew about that other one was because my dad had a reel to reel tape of it, and I listened to it over and over again. <laughs> um, so when this when I saw this in the uh, uh, in the TV guide, it was on the Friday night movie, a world television premiere, the night that panicked America at 9 p.m. So obviously I stayed up pretty late for this one, Um, but it was fascinating because not only do they go into, you know, the houses of people listening to the radios and uh, flipping off Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy uh, Mm -hmm. after they got boring to uh, tune into uh, Ramon Raquello and his orchestra, uh, and then the uh, live uh, reports from Grover's Mill of the uh, Martians crashing and landing. but they also went into the studio of the Mercury Theater where they were planning out the uh the broadcast and they were testing uh recording the opening of the mayonnaise jar in the toilet so that it sounded like the uh the Martian war machine opening up It's absolutely fascinating because I was, I was uh, enthralled by the technology of radio broadcasts at the time. And of course they did all the music live and, uh, uh, Michael Shinar, who's the actor playing, uh, uh, Orson Welles did a pretty good job. Uh, but it was fascinating and I loved it. And I, and I hadn't seen it since 1975 until I found it on YouTube. Uh, (laughs) and it's, uh, you know it it uh, it loses a little bit after you grow up a bit but uh, it is still fascinating and i loved it then and i love it now and uh, it's the night that panicked america
1: wow oh great
4: pick another I, great pick i remember staying up to watch this one as well but yeah. the only thing i remember from it is this jar lid that's being right. screwed in the toilet yeah. <laughs> and that's that sound that image that's so funny. It yeah, makes me was... want to go unscrew a jar in the toilet right now. It's because that's that, you know, the the War of the Worlds movie scared the yeah. hell out of me as a kid yeah. and uh so seeing this this version of it, I don't know what I saw first, if I saw this MOW first or if I saw the the movie movie first, right. but both a terrific story. But sometimes there's just something that you can't unscrew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what's amazing? What's amazing to me is given the amount of people that are watching network television at the time, these films had so many more people watching them than any movie that came out of the time. Yeah. And yet they have no cultural footprint anymore until yep. like our podcast. Because the, the UFO incident, um, uh, the night that Pantheon these were huge TV movies. Yeah, everyone was talking about them. I'm yeah. sure we'll mention. That's a what few happened more when TV. you only had five channels available. Yeah, yeah and right. and you talk about water cooler shows or coffee clutches yeah. or whatever. Everyone or schoolyard, everyone was talking about these shows the next day, and um, you know millions and millions and millions of people were watching them. You know, and and it it's, it's funny to talk about these because unlike I mean, because a lot of them were shot on 16 millimeter or some on video, sure. so they're not preserved the way yeah. that. Movies are, and they were—they're not taken as seriously. And also, I think because a lot of them didn't feature movie stars, they featured TV stars. Right. They just haven't been uh, preserved for posterity. And it's really interesting because these are both really great uh, TV movies.
4: Well, you know, and, and especially the earlier TV movies were—they were essentially B movies. You know, they're shot on a, a tight budget, tight schedule, uh, for you know, and and thrown on TV. And yeah. but like you said, they, they would attract tens of millions of viewers in some
1: cases. Well, it's not like now when you have like Martin Scorsese directing the pilot for Boardwalk Empire. You know, right, you, or had had di- <laughs> you, right, you had TV. You had TV TV directors doing these. So yeah. for them, it was just there, these journeyman veteran directors who would go from show to show and they directed it like TV. So a lot of them weren't visually that exciting. It was a lot of master over-overs uh, and they had short shooting schedules, but you know, occasionally there'd be something that was really special in the way that it was shot I mean, you certainly could say that about like the Twin Peaks pilot, but later on. But that's more like a movie, and that's a pilot. And I don't think we're really dealing with backdoor pilots here, or even pilots. Um, we're dealing with stuff the standalone, they're just one off TV movies. Yeah, we get one-offs. So well,
5: the thing I think that's fascinating about the the first two picks is how they're connected. The obvious connection is the UFO thing, right? Right. <laughs> I think the the, the less obvious connection is how they both play on our, um, our perception of that phenomenon in different ways. Right. And the thing about the night that panicked America, I, I actually find more fascinating than, than the UFO incident, even though I want to hunt that down and I want to watch it right away. Because again, I love that crap is what the night that panicked America was really getting at is that primal fear, of these things, right? It was about a thing that actually happened. But what's fascinating about it is, I mean, if you kind of break down like why Project Blue Book existed, right? The fact that suddenly people were like, they were jamming up, Um, communication lines into the Pentagon with these BS reports of having these sightings of UFOs. It was going crazy. So Project Blue Book was created not so much to actually investigate the reality of alien invasion, Mm -hmm. but to make people feel as though things were being done and then come up with explanations for it so that that would die down and that the communication system but, uh, would be clear. But the but with something like the Orson Welles broadcast, it plays into that sense of it. And if you think about it, that broadcast was, in a way, providing the same sort of entertainment <laughs> um, that we get from a TV movie. It's like yes. this communal experience.
0: The funny yeah, thing is, is really the, the, since you mentioned Blue Book, um, that uh, blew up in their faces because, of yep. course, the, the, the head of Project Blue Book, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, Yep. During the during the uh, investigations changed his mind. Yes, he did. <laughs> and and he was saying there is stuff here that we cannot explain. So your your efforts to sort of put this uh, shovel this under the rug are wrong and there is actual scientific questions that this stuff is asking that we don't know the answers to. And so it was it was that that led to close encounters.
5: Yep. Yeah. Which is not a TV
1: movie. No, no, but it, it would but have it been is spooky. <laughs> but it could have been. It, it would have been if Jaws hadn't done so well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that brings us. Uh, that brings us to Wednesday and Ashley. Uh, and I don't think we'll be uh, we'll be meeting aliens in Ashley's pick, but I could be wrong.
5: Uh, you will not be meeting aliens in Ashley's pick. Uh, but there will be. I think I know where of, we're gonna meet. A though. bit of genre. I um. I now look. I actually had a. I had a backup that I'm definitely going to talk about on Friday because I think it's just fascinating, but it's not nearly as good um, as this movie, which I think, frankly, look, uh, in some ways, I'm like not doing my job, right? Because Wednesday is not the day for naming the queen mother. Um, But (laughs) I, I genuinely believe that my pick for Wednesday is the queen mother of movies of the week. Um, and it was, uh, directed by Dan Curtis. We mentioned, um, you know, some, uh, some of his work in miniseries earlier, he directed on, you know, dark shadows and, uh, and stuff like that. His lots of, you know, sort of horror genre things. Um, it's an anthology, uh, based on interconnected vaguely short stories by Richard Matheson, mm-hmm. uh, whose name should ring a bell. Um, the uh, the stories were adapted. One was adapted by Matheson himself. The other two by William F. Nolan, who wrote the uh, Logan's Run novels. Um, and the um, the the movie that I'm talking about, and I'm sure you guys have guessed already what it is, is 1975's trilogy of <laughs> error:
2: demonology, pornography, Satanism, voodoo, witchcraft. These books aren't just relics, Mr. Anmar. She uses them to capture the souls of others. My sister enjoys inflicting pain. And here, I—you drugged me last night. Didn't you? you do something to sick. Do I make you nervous, dear?
0: This is never
5: 1975 week on the yeah, it is. It's so 1975 week um it's like the, the 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 you know the zenith you know but um look trilogy of terror is first of all it's it is legitimately great there are three segments they're kind of different genres each um they all star karen black uh, who is playing a different character in each episode. Um, the, uh, the first one is about this, this college student um, who thinks that he is seducing a professor and taking advantage of her uh, and getting her into bed. But what he doesn't understand is that he is the one who is being lured and he is being lured to his death. And it's fantastic. The second one is about a pair of twin sisters in therapy, and they're working out a lot of really like deep, dark stuff. Uh, you know, so one we of have a twin, like, a twin sister. The twin sister. One of them is like is very you know sort of repressed and just kind of oh, and the other one is you know, she's just sort of open and sexual and all these sort of very 1975 things. Um, and you come to find out that their relationship is not exactly what you think it is. And the uh, the murder that happens in the, the course of this story is not quite a murder. And it's an interesting little potboiler. It's not... A genre piece other than it's kind of a noir and it's fascinating. But the, the third, third one, the mm-hmm. third episode, uh called Amelia, uh, is like if there is any TV movie of the week, and this is why I say it's the Queen Mother, has that has <laughs> made, you know, has some sort of a cultural footprint that still lives on in some way to this day, even if people don't understand why they recognize it, was the woman who gets. A Zuni fetish doll. <laughs> it's a tiny little doll, scary as shit, has sharp teeth, a knife. it can be anywhere. And it stalks and hunts this woman through her house, and it is terrifying. This is the piece that was uh, written by Richard Matheson. Yeah. um and you voodoo know, the voodoo begin- Barbie. Yeah, pretty much. the 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 beginning of the movie is sort of setting up Karen Black's relationship with her mother. That's very contentious, and it's like, ah, screw your mom, whatever, bye, 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 right? And she goes to this whole experience with the Zuni fetish doll. And at the end of that particular, you know what? I'm pretty sure you can find trilogy of terror.
3: I uh, can. So it's been released.
5: You so you know what? I'm not going to tell you what the hell happens at the end, <laughs> boys and girls, because I want you out there in 4.30 movie, movie of the week, week, listener land. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of alliteration. <laughs> uh, Anchors. I want you to Powerful go posts. watch it, and I want you to be delighted and horrified and understand, however, that, sure, it's 1975, it's not CGI there is nothing truly impressive about that doll other than it being it's... really freaking scary. Exactly. <laughs> and it will, in fact,
4: haunt your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wow. I don't know how I was allowed to watch this movie when I was seven years old, but uh th- th- that third for... segment is the only one that I remember right. because it's so memorable and terrifying. It's funny, th- this TV movie is the basis of all the
0: uh Simpsons Halloween specials. Yeah. <laughs> you-, you know, yes, you're right.
1: <laughs> I have to say, you know, I just it's interesting. About that, but that's right. You were the only one I-, I kind of figured I thought you would go for trilogy of terror or um, The Night Stalker, which is another Dan Curtis classic. Yeah. Well, I, I that is a my pilot. That's a pilot. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. it wasn't a pilot. It was a TV movie. It was not a pilot. They did the TV series because the movie oh. was so successful. I didn't remember that. They did Night Stalker, then they did Night Strangler. And right. it was sort of like what happened with another thing we might talk about, where they were so successful, they then did the TV series, right. but it was not a pilot. Um that's and right. it's phenomenal. Um, uh, Dan Curtis. Uh, That was my gateway drug in the horror, I think, as a kid, Uh, more so than Trilogy of Terror, because I don't think I'd seen Trilogy of Terror as a kid, but, um, you know, Night Stalker. But um, uh, what a great pick. I mean, obviously, you know, we just talked about how these movies aren't enduring. But Trilogy of Terror is an exception to the rule. I think that's a movie when people talk about 70s horror, they often cite that as an example. I think it's a combination of Karen Black still being an icon, but also the love that it has with people Guillermo del Toro and a lot of uh, high-profile people who've kept the love, the fires burning for Trilogy of Terror.
5: And that final shot, you talk about like, oh yeah, nobody really shot anything in a memorable way. I don't know how like memorable how memorably it was shot i do know it was very effectively directed but that final shot will stay with you <laughs> it will just stay with. well
1: you. dan curtis i and i gotta give the academy of motion pick of uh, the academy of science fiction fantasy and horror credit because they name their uh producing award or, or uh after dan curtis and when you look at what he did between trilogy of terror the night stalker night strangler um war um, uh winds of war Warden Remembrance. I mean, he had such a great, uh, diverse oeuvre of films that he did. And he was passionate. He was he was never phoning it in. And while I wouldn't call him like this great, you know, there's not an amazing amount of style in a lot of his stuff. He knew how to tell a story yeah. and how to craft uh these films for television and you know if Dan and of course I'm I'm not even mentioning Dark Shadows yeah exactly uh which uh which was remarkable the you know what he did with a a, a substandard soap opera and turned into one of the great supernatural you know stories and, and most iconic supernatural tales so I mean Curtis was Dan Curtis was a really amazing guy and he also did that, speaking of TV movies, that Jack Palance Dracula in the mid uh, oh, right. 70s as well, which a lot you of people uh, is their one. favorite Dracula. It's I mean, not my number one. but
0: <laughs> <laughs> My favorite I, Dracula. Yeah. You know what the secret well,
1: to my immortal
5: life is? One thing. One thing, Curly Joe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I don't think many people have mashed up City Slickers and Dracula. I'm impressed.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that would be cool. right
1: yeah 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 um well i guess that's wednesday and that's a great pick for wednesday what a week so once again it comes down to me to screw it all up <laughs> so uh i i have to say find I something from before, 75. Said, <laughs> yeah then we can just change it to 1975 week which sounds a lot better than <laughs> yeah, movies does. of the week week but um i have to say this may have been one of the hardest weeks We've done, and I know we've said that before. But I truly, when I started thinking about it, wow, you know, uh, it, it, it's really, really difficult. And you know, but there are you know, some good TV movies, and they're great TV movies, and there are movies like RKO Two Eighty One, mm-hmm. Orson Welles making this game, good TV movie produced by Ridley Scott. Yeah, but is it great? Is it does it belong in the pantheon of great TV movies? No, no, does not. <laughs> But it's a a really good TV movie. Um, You mentioned HBO and you said, no, HBO isn't eligible, shouldn't be eligible. Which, uh,
3: you know, it's too bad
1: because they did a series of TV movies that are are as good as any feature, which is, you know, Jay Roach's uh, recount was amazing about the 2000 uh, presidential election. Uh, Larry Gelbart's script for Barbarians at the Gate, where James Garner uh, takes over Nabisco and then uh, I was trying to take over Nabisco, take it private. And then all these hedge funds and are are, are trying to um, uh, converge on Nabisco and they're all fighting uh, to take over the company. Um and the Keebler is, uh,
0: elves are, are <laughs> blocking the game. I mean, James, James
1: Garner playing against type is so good in that. And Jonathan Price is Henry Kravis, oh my God, so great. And even something like Doomsday Gun with Frank Langella, which a lot of people don't really remember. Um it was, uh, was a was a terrific film about this guy, you know, um uh, basically um uh, uh Saddam Hussein was trying to get the super oh, right. gun. The super, so the super gun, gun. Yes, Yeah.
4: You're and right. Alan yeah, Ar- yeah. gonna- and, and don't forget citizen cone about roy cone with james james mm-hmm. woods playing roy cone that yeah. i bought that movie on dvd it's phenomenal and but and uh there's a don king we, we uh, you what, know before thursday. we
0: go through all of this we should have an
1: hbo movie week yeah well, we maybe should. we will and
5: also we should name thursday
1: yeah 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 okay so <laughs> my, <laughs> my my pick for hbo week though is conspiracy about the want to see conference with kev well, we brought and stanley, and stanley tucci TV. oh are we gonna do it <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah, then hey, I take not now. Not now. I'm, not now. I'm, not, I'm, I'm taking conspiracy. <laughs> I'm taking it back. Okay. so- <laughs> Taking them all back. Here. Here's the thing. You guys said <laughs> you, we had a very interesting conversation at the beginning of the show. We said a miniseries is not a movie, and even though it was only two parts, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe V would qualify. But then I, the title is V, the original miniseries. Yeah. So you you can't pick V. It has miniseries in the title. I don't think it was in the original title. I think it's only now that they've packaged it for home video. It's the original miniseries, but still, miniseries negates it being a TV movie. And it wasn't the original miniseries because it would have fit with this whole theme of the the week. It was two parts, and you know, it would. But so anyway, okay. So this this brings me to my choice. This is very difficult. I'm deciding between two two films. So difficult, you can't even say it. No, no, it (laughs) it is, And, and there is a film. That is utterly remarkable. That I'm not going to pick because this this um, this week is skewing very heavily towards genre, and I don't think MOW should necessarily. Bye, Mark.
0: Well, well, I guess technology has spoken for him. <laughs> yes. Hey, he lost his chance. He was just about to reveal the whole thing. Well, that's what happens when you name like ten movies. That aren't a a movie. <laughs> uh, right. he'll, he'll be back soon, uh, but un, until he does, um, you know, I think we ought to, we ought to talk about a little more about the, dis, the, you know, the differences between movies of the week and miniseries. I mean, for one thing, miniseries usually cost a lot more money than a movies of the week did a lot more um, and they could uh, amortize it over, you know, several nights. Uh, to be able to pay for it, Uh, and that's the that's the major difference. And plus, for uh, miniseries, you could usually get a higher tier of actor yeah. in it, yeah. uh, and that wasn't necessarily related to the amount of money that you paid them, but sometimes it was.
4: It was it also became, the prestige, became, yeah, prestige, right,
0: exactly. Kind of, because I
5: think Winds of War is certainly, like, did you, know, you cut me off? No, yes. you cut me off because, because
1: I was. cut you off. I had too many picks. <laughs> They say, okay no more picks you're're you're, 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 you're done <laughs> forget it you're, you're that's it you only get those Nemi picks and if if the, you know right down the right down the chute okay I'm gonna give you my pick for Thursday are you ready you yes. know um uh, what show I'm really enjoying right now on uh, peacock uh, the poker face with the Tasha oh, okay. Ryan yes. Johnson I, I know what you're gonna pick it's an homage to uh, Columbo and uh, it reminds you what fun, though, that kind of storytelling was uh, back in the day. There's really erudite, sort of smart, windy thrillers. And the best of them was a 1979 TV movie written by Richard Levinson and William Link, the creators of Columbo. And the TV movie was called Murder by Natural Causes. And in uh, it's featured Hal Holbrook as a mentalist. Uh, Catherine Ross, Lumine, the luminous Catherine Ross from uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, not to be confused with um, uh, Marion Ross from Happy Days, very right. different there. Um, and our our favorite, the star of Megaforce, the great Barry Boswick, uh, also our, our Darren and I's favorite dinner companion. And if that's not enough, playing his lawyer, um, who may have uh, certain motivations uh, uh, in, in this situation, is uh, the $6 million man's trusted confidant, Oscar, Richard Anderson. <laughs> and so with a cast like that, how can you not love this? But this is a totally windy, twisty thriller. I don't even want to talk about the plot because there's it's you could see the influence it must have had on a young Ryan Johnson because there's so many misdirects. It's so serpentine and Byzantine. Serpentine, serpentine. And- <laughs> that's a little in-laws reference from darren um uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie that really landed for me in a big way when i watched it back in 1979 um and watched it many times since haven't watched it in a long time but it's funny watching poker face i thought about it for the first time in a long time and uh i i just i love it i love the cast i love uh i love the the uh the denouement which is unexpected to say the least, as they should be in these kinds of stories. You don't really see it coming. And uh, it's my pick for Thursday, uh, the great uh, uh, murder by natural causes.
2: On the shoulder was a marvelous touch. (laughs) All righty,
1: I can't say I've ever heard of that one. Me neither. I I yeah, it's not seeing it. It's not you know, it's 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 not again. So many of these haven't stood the test of time, not because their quality, but just because the nature of being MOWs. But this is a this is a great film. I'm sure if I mentioned it to Barry Boswick this weekend in Richmond, he would be like, "What." Did I do something called Murder you by Natural Causes? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I, I'm curious, I'm gonna put that to the test and I'll report back, but I, I bet he doesn't even remember it. We're gonna to have to ask him. He remembers Megaforce, but he doesn't remember Murder by Natural Causes. <laughs> now I, we're gonna to have to, maybe we'll even record him. Maybe we'll go up to him and ask him just Against to see what he wife. has to say. <laughs> yeah, we'll abduct him and we'll make him tell his stories <laughs> about the making of it. Tell us about <laughs> Catherine Ross. And and then tell us about Richard Anderson. Yeah, was he really was he really a member of the the O what was it the OSI OSI the OCB was wise guy. Did he try the you Did
4: he
0: have
5: the technology? Yeah,
1: he did. Anyway, I I love I love that. I don't know if it's available. I have no idea. But if it is, I hope you watch it.
5: You reminded me of something as you were kind of going through your list, like a whole like mine like there's a there's just a that I didn't even go for that would have been like any one of them would have been a perfect Wednesday although I think like Trilogy of Terror was kind of the perfect Wednesday uh
1: you can't not go with Trilogy of Terror
5: I, no no I have to go I'm not changing my mind but I realized something the Incredible Hulk did like three TV movies it was like the before I was a TV series and mm-hmm. the death and the yeah. trial yeah. she's the first TV appearance of Daredevil. Um, or also the first appearance of Thor. Right. Come on! Right? <laughs> he fights Thor. Now, admittedly, it's a really stupid version of Thor. All Thor as love and thunder. But... Uh, oh, man. <laughs> no, yeah, That's actually, harsh. You know what? I like the goats. And I always love <laughs> Um But... Uh yeah, uh, those, uh, I think, are are valid contenders for Friday. They would not be my pick. Actually, my my second pick uh, for Wednesday, because I thought one of you guys was going to hit Trilogy of Terror. Like, I thought that was a layup. We've almost done. But uh, but then he changed course. It was on my list, but no, I wasn't going to pick that one. Um, there is a, a movie, and you know what? I don't even know how great it is again i just find it interesting which is usually the definition of wednesday um there's a movie from 1974 called bad ronald and the premise of Bad McDonald's? Ronald
0: is, yeah, exactly.
5: it's about like a clown who works at McDonald's. The premise of Bad Ronald is like this kid is kind of like a, a loner type mama's boy. It kind of lives in the basement and it's just sort of this weird relationship. Um, Has this, you know, very embarrassing moment with this girl that he's trying to act out and like he like, her sister calls him names and he pushes her down and she cracks her head open and she dies. Uh, this wasn't a movie. Mother, this really happened
1: to you. You just think it was a movie. This actually happened to so me. Anyway, the point
5: is that the mother like hides him in the walls of the house so that he doesn't get arrested, but she dies. So he is living inside the walls of this house, inside the fake walls of this house. And another oh family moves in and he becomes obsessed with the daughters. And it oh. is just creepy. Now, the <laughs> thing that makes it super kind of fascinating is it's based in a novel by Jack Vance. Now, if you're a sci-fi fan, if you're a genre dude, you know who the hell Jack Vance is. Um, Jack Vance is like one of the great uh, you know, genre writers. Um, fantasy, science fiction. Who science fiction people know, like not these to be confused know. with Jack Nance, right? Uh, <laughs> but like people, like you know, like George R. R. Martin, you know, who are incredibly influenced by Jack Vance. In fact, uh, George um, name checks him in the Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, the uh, The entire system of magic in Dungeons and Dragons. Is based on the systems of magic that he came up for his for his book series, The Dying Earth, and it's in fact called and magic because you wow. forget your spells after you cast them. So that connection alone, I found fascinating. The movie is not bad, but it's like, but it's like it it stuck with me, which I think is like more than most things do. But uh, there you go. Well,
3: that sounds weird mentioned- and creepy. It
5: is weird and creepy, and the book is even. <laughs> and I read the book, and it is even creepier because it's like in the book, look 1974 on an ABC or whatever there's only so far you can go. <laughs> right. in the book, Vance who is constantly sort of pushing the envelope on content, pushes
1: the envelope on content well I, Ashley, i got to say you mentioned dungeons and dragons what about 1982's mazes and monsters that uh, was going to be that babies. was
4: that was going to be my pick initially and uh it, not a good movie but notable for a couple of reasons the first being well save course, for tom hanks week
1: Thanks yeah, for the yeah. memories week it, it's yeah. just, it starts
4: tom hanks, tom hanks one of his first roles and chris make peace from right. uh from uh, uh meatballs my boi- and, and my, my bodyguard yeah. and uh my Mark Hamilton I mean, from it's, Jaws. It, yes, and yes, right. and it's all about the satanic panic uh surrounding uh, Dungeons and Dragons and and how these kids get completely absorbed in the game and and become their characters. It's so dumb, but <laughs> the third act is largely filmed in the World Trade Center, um, really? the Tom Hanks' character travels to New York City. He's out of his mind at this point. He thinks he's his character, and he's in search of the Great Hall, who is his brother who had died a few years earlier. And he's going, he had made this map where he. he he writes The Two Towers, and his friends back at the college all think he's talking about Tolkien. And then they come to New York City and realize, oh, no, he's going to the World Trade Center. And so there's all this stuff filmed with Tom Hanks walking around in the lobby of Two World Trade Center and, and the other oh kids chasing after him. And they go up in the elevators to the observation deck. And there's it climaxes, climaxes on the roof, on the observation deck on the roof, where Tom Hanks is about you to jump better. off the a wire. <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, man, on, on wire. Is the word I, use. <laughs> I not
0: not a great movie, but kind of <laughs> notable for for that. I yeah. am so surprised, Mark, that you did not pick uh, this movie that uh, I thought every, I, I thought everyone would have uh, had a chance to pick. What um, what, what is it? Well, I'm going to tell you. 1983. <laughs> our mm-hmm. friend Nick Meyer directed mm-hmm.
1: The Day After. Yeah. No, I wasn't going to pick that. Why wouldn't you? It's it, it was I uh, I don't it, really it like was, it that much. I'm telling Nick. Um <laughs> 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 he won't care. <laughs> well, it,
0: it was it was one of the most hyped and uh, and promoted TV movies I ever remember. Yeah. That's true. Uh, it was, it, it they, was think oh, it, sure. they think
4: a they think hundred million people watched that. Yeah. And it's amazingly I, I significant it.
1: because yeah. famously Ronald Reagan said, you know, basically, now I realize how terrible nuclear war is. We can't let it happen. It's like you took a TV movie to convince them. But uh, that is. Uh well, yeah.
4: We lost him again. But it yeah, starred I mean, Jason Robards and Joe, nope. Beth, Joe Beth Williams. Right. And it was, I mean, it was talk about water cooler shows. Every yeah. that was all anyone talked about. And Very uh, you know,
0: Steve Gutenberg for crying yeah. out loud. Yeah, my God. The the inventor of the Bible. And of <laughs> course, BB uh, Besh. Uh, right. Got uh, a Star Trek connection. Young Superman himself, Jeff East. Uh, and, uh, you know, tons of, uh, of, you know, like certainly, uh, C grade, uh, uh, stars, but still for a, for a TV movie, it was pretty
4: good. John Lithgow, um, it, it, it aired on, uh, on uh, November 20th. So it was probably around Thanksgiving yeah. Thanksgiving week, this thing airs, you know? Yeah. It's, uh,
0: it's crazy. And, it, you know, look, Mark's right. It's, it's not very good, but there are some parts that are very effective and, uh, and good for their scare tactics. Um, to you know, put people in a tizzy. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, and I, also in
4: 1983 it was another uh, movie that uh, that involved uh, nuclear weapons called Special Bulletin. Right. I remember Special Bulletin. Yeah. Right. That that directed I was by, directed by your old uh, colleague Ed Zwick. That's right. Um, I, and and it's it surprised me
0: because I thought there were rules against doing something like that.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, if you want to remind our, our listeners, the premise of it was that it was a, a, a news broadcast News broadcast, and yeah. uh, is sort of much like the night that panicked America, exactly. where you think you're watching a live news broadcast yeah. about a terrorist. I believe they had a nuclear bomb aboard a cruise ship or something. something like that. Yeah, they're in a port or something that they were threatening to detonate unless their demands were met. Yeah. Uh, another very highly uh, talked about. MOW from the early 80s. Yeah, but there were
0: there were laws against doing things like this. I mean, uh, you know, uh, obviously, I think they had to put in a ton of uh, uh, warnings that, uh, you know, that this wasn't real and uh, it was all uh, all fake. But uh, uh, even
5: with that, even with
0: that, you know, I'm sure people thought that it was real. Um, But, uh, yeah, special bulletin was
1: uh, was one of those things that uh, should have been better but <laughs> yeah. uh, i love it, special bulletin yeah i actually i thought it was more impactful than day after to be honest uh, i i i the the war of the world's uh, uh conceit which of course every three seconds they said this is only uh right. <laughs> we're faking don't it's, don't believe it's, it's really just happening a, it's just a joke folks
4: if der- you didn't realize that ed it.
1: flanders uh from saying elsewhere or whatever it's like it's 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 okay he's not really a reporter they don't really have a nuclear bomb on that boat that they're going to detonate it's okay no, no, don't had, you
0: worry your pretty little head about it if they'd had ned flanders as the yeah. um, reporter that would have been it would have been different yeah uh, the
5: bbc yeah. did something um very much like that but it yeah. was uh of it threads. was threads i've i can't remember what the hell it was called but it was um it was about uh, a haunting it was this oh. whole like ghost story that was basically paranormal activity before paranormal activity was paranormal activity and it freaked people the hell out like yeah. to, the, to the point where like it went like they didn't re-air it forever um because it just so freaked people out i wish i could remember the name of that thing.
1: Well, the BBC, you know that threads. That's even more depressing than Testament and Day After combined. Mm-hmm. That's one really depressing TV movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. about nuclear uh, nuclear war. Oof, even Here's thinking a, about I it. Threads was about pants, and then I watched pants. <laughs> it is
4: about pants. Uh, mm. Another MoW I thought that Ashley might pick, uh, but he didn't. Uh, was from uh, 1980, produced by Rankin Bass. Oh Return yes, Return of the King. I didn't even oh think my about gosh, it. it has less
1: endings than,
5: <laughs> and it has a great song.
1: Where there's a
3: will, there's a way. There's a way.
1: <laughs> that, those movies are so bizarre because, of course, they adapted <laughs> The Hobbit and Return of the King, but they didn't have the rights to Fellowship of the Ring but, and Two Towers. I
5: think the reason that happened is because Backsheet. Yes. did... Did his right. versions, and then he could he didn't finish them, or they didn't want him to finish them. Right. Um, and then they brought in Rankin Bass to like to do Return of the King. But then yeah. you'd only see The Hobbit and Return of the King on television. Right. So I was astonished as a child to learn that in fact there was a Fellowship of the Ring in a two. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know quite why the hell everybody was suddenly wandering around in Mordor, but I left <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 like. how uh, uh, the hell is Bilbo? Santa. That's the question, my friend. That's the question.
3: <laughs>
4: Oh, there's yeah, a, but... another movie uh, directed by uh, John Carpenter from 1979, mm. starring Kurt Russell. Elvis was well, right. almost, but yet you're right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah,
1: That's nobody crazy. be cruel. Don't be cruel. This is this is a good movie. <laughs> he's he's great in it. And there's also uh, wasn't it? the now the Idol Maker, which was uh, Ray Sharkey, wasn't a, that was a movie that, movie that, that was a, a movie, TV movie
3: movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, look, obviously, we should we do the layup? Should we do the three point? Uh, shot, which we know is going to be Friday.
4: Go ahead. I think I know what we're talking about. Try it.
1: Okay, here we go. Throw me the ball. I'm going. I'm shooting. He shoots. Going for the layup. It's a duel. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Swish. that's the winner gotta
3: be gotta
5: be tell the people what they've won
1: well i mean duel is just a remarkable film and and you know we talked about earlier how it's all these journeyman directors who who are basically shooting these things like bad television that was not steven spielberg he really announced himself as a visual a maestro a maestro of a maestro Maestro. (laughs)
5: Maestro.
1: (laughs) he announced himself (laughs) as a I believe it's maestro, but as a maestro of a visual craft, of visual craft, every and shot is, is blocked and well, John Dennis Weaver and, and, uh, and, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's great. It's a, it's a total nail biter. It's beautifully directed. It's very well written. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it, it's not hard. You don't a lot of people. You look back at their early films and you say, "Really? How did the guy who did The Lodger uh, end up doing? Uh, you know, North by Northwest and Vertigo?" But it's like you see Duel and you're like, "Oh, I get how he ended up doing uh, Jaws and Close Encounters and Munich and all these movies." Uh, I mean, it's it it's 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 it's, 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 a, it's a great TV movie, and it's well. one that's still people talk about today
4: yeah and and was you know good enough uh to be released theatrically i some of these mdw's were released theatrically in other countries but uh, i believe duel was released in the united in the states theatrically especially after jaws uh, and cross right. encounters i think they
1: re-released it in theaters yeah yeah I'd, I'd, i mean I'll, I'll go along with duel you, you don't sound that excited about it though well sure Sure. Am. Were you advocating for day after a special bulletin over duel? No. Okay. <laughs> the only thing I would, I, the only thing I think comes close is the Night Stalker, but we already have Trilogy yeah. of Terror. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's Jeremy a couple, Gavin. I mean,
4: there's uh, and the band played on, which was about you know the AIDS. HBO. Right. Doesn't no, count. That was HBO. HBO. Okay. Brian's song. That's true. That was big. was a big one. In the yeah. early oh, 70s. We're
5: saving that for Brian Week.
4: <laughs> and uh, <laughs> one that I, I remember watching uh, starring you Carol doing, Burnett you <laughs> called "Friendly Fire." <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. About a a mother who learns that her son had been killed by Friendly Fire in Vietnam. Yeah, same for 1979
3: a week. A lot of these are a lot of
1: these in are 1979, aren't they? Well, yeah. I,
4: obviously, the heyday
0: of the TV movie was the 70s. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was into the it was early a brand days. new yeah. thing, and they they uh, sort of you know put their all into doing these, and uh, and you know spending a little more money than uh, one episode of uh, a, a show, but uh, not all that much more. So yeah. they, they got their money's worth, and uh, you know they were able to stretch it out over two hours of commercials
1: well I gotta say this is a week where I'm really curious what some of our listeners have to say because um, there's so many more that we haven't even touched on it'd be interesting to see there's a very diverse array of of films stretching from the 70s to the early 80s so um, and beyond but we know (laughs) HBO is not eligible and miniseries are not eligible Netflix is right out (laughs) (laughs) because it's not TV it's streaming It's computers Computer. not know. computers and shit. Computers and stuff. Yeah. We're not computers, computers. We want we want uh movies that are picked by an executive and not an algorithm. So yeah, well, anyway they are. But this was a I what think a this week? is a pretty spectacular week if people, you know, they're like the A team if you could find them. Uh so uh why don't we remind our our audience what we'll be watching this week, starting on Monday with Steve Melching.
4: Welcome to the Monday afternoon movie, starring James Earl Jones, Estelle Parsons, and Barnard Hughes, in the true story of Betty and Barney Hill's UFO abduction in
1: the UFO incident. On Tuesday, it's Darren Dockerman.
4: Tuesday
0: is Joe Sargent's tale of the making of the War of the Worlds in the night
1: that panicked America. And we're very curious about that, Joe Sargent. Insatiable curiosity. And on, uh, on on Wednesday, it's Ashley Edward Miller. What are we watching, Ash? On Wednesday, I'll be waiting for you
5: with Karen Black in Dan Curtis's
1: 1975 Trilogy of Terror. On Thursday, it's murder by natural causes. And on Friday, it's Steven Spielberg. It's the one that started it all. Steven Spielberg's duel. Keep on trucking. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, this was a good week, huh? It is. I'd watch all of this. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And you will again. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty and- of it. If you want to share your thoughts about uh, the uh, movies for uh, Movie of the Week Week or any other weeks, you can do it on Twitter at 430 Movie Podcast, Instagram at 430 Movie Podcast, and on Facebook. So join us and grow stronger through the sharing. And, uh, of course, uh, we'd love you to go on to your favorite podcast provider and rate us five stars. It's a way to bring new listeners to the show as well. And remember, you're rating the podcast, not our picks. So, if you think we gave you one star <laughs> picks, doesn't matter. You're, you're giving us five stars for how much entertainment and joy we've brought you in the last You're giving hour us ahead. one star for each day of the week. One star That's for good. each day of the week. That's right. So, even if they're terrible picks, cumulatively, to is five. five stars. Thank you, Count. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to also thank the great uh, Mark Rivera who has been uh, making it sound so good as we continue uh, this uh, sixth season of the fourth day movie, Pete Holmstrom, uh, our archivist and producer who has helped uh, source all these wonderful clips that we include. And uh, we want to thank you for joining us. And if you want to support the show, go to trexpertsplus.com, where you subscribe to our sister podcast, um, Deck 78, where we deal with uh, genre subjects that are adjacent to Star Trek and occasionally touch on things like well, who knows maybe we'll do uh something on these series that we were talking about Could the only be? way to know is to subscribe and uh of course uh um you can continue to watch uh some wonderful tv from uh, mr ashley miller on netflix uh, dota dragon's blood uh streaming on ashley on on netflix uh coming <laughs> for the creative It created fertile minds of Ashley and Stephen Melching, Uh, Darren Docterman. You could purchase the uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture Directors' Edition, which is available from Paramount Home Video on Blu-ray at 4K, and um, and uh, we encourage you uh, to. uh, Well, you know, none of us make any money off that stuff anymore, so don't worry about it. (laughs) We encourage you, but you know, (laughs) we encourage you, but we're not. We're not begging you. Not That's begging. what I'm saying. <laughs> no, we're not begging. You know, you could you can buy my books, but I'm not gonna beg. Too proud to beg. <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> yeah, if you're,
3: show,
1: 4, if you're a fan of John uh, Wick Four. If you're fan of John Wick Four, pick up my uh most he recent Shouldn't have poem. killed his book. They shouldn't <laughs> have killed you. <laughs> <their laughs> <dog.
3: laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, we'll be back next week with an all new fantasy theme week here on the 430 movie. But until then, on behalf of Stephen Melching, Darren Docterman, Ashley Miller, and myself, Mark A. Altman, <laughs> Eyewitness News starts now.